Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Something doesn't add up here. Hey, welcome to the show, Maggie Gray, Andrew Perloff. No, 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 not the show. We make perfect sense. I'm talking about what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers and their coaching situation, Perloff. This is a doozy. So head coach Mike Tomlin, they back into the playoffs, finally go to third string, Mason Rudolph. We know how the season played out, right? It was maybe a disappointment by Steelers' standards because this was a good roster that had high expectations. Kenny Pickett ends up getting hurt. They sort of get exposed, especially on the offensive side, have to fire their offensive coordinator, and sort of went into a free fall, and to their credit, saved the season, salvaged it, as the seventh seed went to Buffalo and lost uh, in Buffalo. But the questions surrounding Mike Tomlin's future have been swirling. Oh, absolutely. He told the team... He's going to be back for another year, and yet that didn't clear anything up. Well, I think it did. It cleared something up because there were these reports from Adam Schefter and Jake Glazer that he was considering doing a walk year. Uh, I don't know. Did they call it a walk year in coaching? A gap year. A gap year. Like taking a year off. Before he goes like to college. Shopping. Yeah. Here's, I think the Steelers are actually close. I know Steelers fans are so frustrated by Mike Tomlin not winning a playoff game in seven years and all this stuff. But they went ten and seven with three quarterbacks, and were in position. They were seven and four with the Cardinals and the Patriots at home. A couple things changed differently. If they didn't have Matt Canada, this could have been the year. They're actually on a, a low key heater drafting. They have so much talent in that building, and I credit Tomlin for a lot of that. I feel like they're a tweak or two away, and I think that Tomlin, the ownership, know that. And I, I think everyone's so down on the Steelers, and I think they're. Overly down on Mike Tomlin just because they haven't won a Super Bowl. Okay, but here's my question: If you are if you are tweak away from a Super Bowl team, yeah, why aren't we talking more about contract extension? And maybe that will come, and maybe that's what this is all about. But it feels like those reports from Schefter and Glazer and people who seem to really know Mike Tomlin. Why would if you're that close to a Super Bowl, why are you floating out there? I might take a year off. If you're that close to a Super Bowl, you're like, damn, I'm I'm right on the doorstep. All we need is this, this, and keep this guy healthy. And maybe we're talking about a different outcome. Like, that, to me, is why this doesn't line up. It, to me, this has either got to be a contract thing and a negotiation tactic with Mike Tomlin to say, no, no, I'm going to walk away like Sean McVay did to the Rams and use that to get a new contract. He said, I'm burnt out. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And the Rams came and gave him a boatload of money. And it's like, all right, now I'm going to stay. Either it's that kind of thing and he's just playing chicken with the front office or he's planning to be a lame duck coach and he's going to coach out the last year of his contract because 
Mike Tomlin did not appreciate the question he got after their loss to Buffalo about his contract, and he walked off the podium, right? We did that story yesterday and played that sound. Get ready for that to be every post-game interview you do, because if you're in a lame duck situation, every game feels like it's a referendum on your contract uh, situation. So those same reporters who said he was going to walk away also said the Steelers had no interest in moving on from Mike Tomlin. This was coming from his side, not theirs. There is precedent here. Bill Cowher walked away at the height of his powers in his 40s from the Steelers. And they're, they're a franchise that tends to repeat itself. They have the Roonies really, from one Rooney to another, have remained consistent. I don't. They never fire their coaches. And they actually resigned him in the same situation last time in 2021. How do we know they weren't going to resign him this offseason? I don't see the Steelers cooling on Mike Tomlin. Why? I mean, the guy keeps on winning. Okay, but maybe he's cooling on them. That's like, what I think. I think he's actually burned out. And I think actually, I'm naive. I think Sean McVay is actually burned out too. I wouldn't be surprised if McVay walked away from that contract, middle contract. If they have a bad season. I think these guys are so intense. I saw this documentary on Mike Tomlin's life. There is nothing there except football. It's got to burn you out. I, I think gotta- he legitimately is tired. Okay, but you're saying two things at once. You're saying he's burned out and might be tired and want a break, and you're also saying they're one tweak away from a Super Bowl. Why would he walk away from this roster that's ready to win? That's what I'm saying. The only reason he's not walking away is because I think he ha- thinks if I have the right offensive coordinator in here, I can win. <laughs> he thought he had the right offensive coordinator. I, I, that's a problem. I think he was legitimately... I think the, re- the reason he let that get out is I think he's legitimately tired. We see this with players all the time. Right after the season ends, older players, they're like, oh, I want to retire. Right. I'm beat up. I'm exhausted. And then two months change, and they get rejuvenated. Tom Brady. I think that's what Mike Tomlin's going through right now. I think he's worn out. Okay, but he just told the guys in the locker room he didn't wait a month. He did. He <laughs> didn't have the faux retirement. He told the guys in the locker room after that Bills game, "I'm coming back." Yeah. So, are you burnout out or are you not burnout? Are you burnout? out? You're rejuvenated. It's not black and white. You don't think so? No, I think that. Because we see it all the time. Players are like, ah, maybe I'm retired. Now, I just telling you in the break that Jason Kelsey is waffling on his retirement. I don't think it's that easy to walk away. I I think that these guys get really tired. And if you ask them the day after the season, of course they all want to retire. They all want to hang them up. He said, I'm coming back. Like, I I don't think he was ever leaving. I, I think that was something else going on. I think this has all got to be a contract negotiation ploy from Mike Tomlin. I, I, he, that was a bizarre move in the first place for him to just walk off the podium after, you know, a game when he gets asked about his contract, dude, you've been coaching for 16 years. You've handled way tougher questions than that. He made a point to do it. I think he knew it was going to get a lot of attention. And I think he's trying to put a little of the squeeze here on Steelers ownership. Like, Hey, where's my contract? And maybe even said, hey, I went along with your plan to fire Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator midseason. I didn't want to do that. So are you going to stick with me or what are we doing here? And I think that he's trying to put pressure on the organization. That's my take. 855-212-4CBS. I think the organization doesn't need pressure. I think they were going to resign him anyway. There were reports that they were working on a contract extension in December, too. You're right. He could be leveraging them for more years or more money. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Mike Tomlin's spending any of that money on, but... I think that the Steelers struggled this year. There's no doubt, and things look bad. But I never for a second thought, Mike, I can't picture anyone else walking that sideline for them. Can you imagine Ben Johnson being the Steelers coach? It just doesn't fit. We said that about, you know, Bill Cowher. Like, I'm sure they said that about Chuck Knoll. It's it's hard to imagine someone else when they're in that spot for so long. But I just wonder if, you know, if there's one organization – Maybe the Packers might be the other, but if there's one organization that does not seem to cave to fan pressure, it feels like it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
this is the total opposite of the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Jets, uh, you know, teams like that who all, always cave to fan pressure, you know, and, and fan pressure is a real part of working in that those organizations and that job. There's others uh, around the league, but those are the first two that came to mind. Seems like the Steelers really block all that out, but the fan pressure and the noise outside of the Steelers feels like it's at an all-time high. Will they finally yeah. crack a little bit and be susceptible to what their fans yeah. think, which is, you know, time for a change? Yeah, uh, modernize the offense. Get a real yeah. offensive coordinator in there. Get some sort of Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan guy. That's, That's what you, you got to do. We want to hear from you, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Let's hit the great debate. The Great Debate Series. Okay, Wednesdays we do Great Debate. Loosely based off of the news. A lot of coaching news out there. So today we're doing Greatest Coaches Second Acts. Coaches Greatest Second Acts is how I should have framed it. Great uh, Coaches Greatest Second Acts. So could be any coach, any sport, doesn't matter. But who had the great second act? Perloff, kick us off. I went with Phil Jackson. Obviously, as far as success in the second act, nobody can match him. Won multiple rings in L.A. and Chicago. But it was what he did for his reputation. Anybody who was with Michael Jordan, obviously Jordan is a vacuum for the credit. Everyone just assumed Jackson won because of Michael Jordan. I know what you're going to say. But then the fact that he could do it in another team proves that he really was that great coach. Yes, he had good players in L.A. I'm aware <laughs> of that. But still, to go from Jordan to another title team is completely the, the ideal second act. If Bill Belichick could do that and get rid of this idea that Tom Brady won the rings in, in Foxborough. That would be the only thing to challenge Phil Jackson. Yeah, went from Jordan, did have good players in L.A., but you're right. I mean, kept collecting those rings and making a legacy for himself. I went with Pete Carroll, and, and he's had multiple acts, but why I went with Carroll, who just got let go in Seattle, is because when he got fired by the Patriots in 1999, you know, he had had a, a bad season with the Jets, fired by the Patriots in 99 after three mediocre seasons. Nobody thought Pete Carroll was going to become a Hall of Fame coach. Nobody saw him going to USC, winning two national championships, multiple Heisman Trophy winners, then going to Seattle and winning a Super Bowl there, getting to another and should have two Super Bowl rings. I mean, he was low at that point and then turned it into success both in college and the pros. I think that's a great second act. EJ, go ahead. Your second act is who? Pat Riley, okay? You go from the Showtime Lakers, it's the glitz and glamour, it's the Lakers girls, it's Showtime, it's the glitz, it's the running fast breaks, it's the scoring 130 points a game. And then you leave that as you get burned out and the team starts to tune you out. And you go to New York. Pat, uh, Patrick Ewing's demanding a trade. You got to convince him to stay. And then you got this team that's this slow, plotting, beat you up and spit you out kind of squad. He's got to find a way to make that team into a winner. And he did. And they may not win a championship, and that was mostly because of Michael Jordan. But to take that team that was really in a tailspin and turn them into uh, really kind of an iconic roster, an iconic kind of group for that era, I thought it was an outstanding job. I'm a Knicks fan, but I can't stand Pat Riley because how he left and all the stuff with the Heat. This is not me saying yeah. I love Pat Riley. I don't like him. But give the devil his due. What he did going from Showtime Lakers to beat you up Knicks was something we really haven't seen before. Pete? Bruce Bochy, uh, from his uh, times in San Diego, which where he was a good manager, um, but didn't get to that next level. He lost in a World Series, got to that next level in San Francisco, winning three 
World Series titles, and then moving on to Texas, winning another one this past season. Bruce Bochy cementing his legacy in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and he had like a third act. And Bogus isn't here, but we'll give you Bogus's, which is Dusty Baker, yeah. who had multiple acts as well. But, uh, you know, winning finally for the first time as a manager with the Houston Astros is like a final, final yeah. act. I got a good one. I just came up with You just came up with You know who had a good second act, and you're not going to like it because his third act was so bad? Urban Meyer's second act going from Florida to Ohio State. Remember he almost thought he had a heart attack in Florida? That was a reinvention, so too. So I thought about that, but I'm yeah. like, it wasn't that odd. It wasn't surprising that he would have had success at Ohio State. I think it was almost a given because of the success at Florida. What I think Urban Meyer could end up winning this list for whatever he does next. Yeah. I mean, you can't get lower than what happened with Jacksonville. It was an all-time embarrassing move to go to his his less than a full season in the NFL. If he rebounds like and does something else after that, I think that. Well, the more common path is to have a terrible last act, and that could easily be what happens to Bill Belichick. I mean, most great coaches, if they want to keep coaching, are going to lose. It's just not. It's not easy to go somewhere else. I just want to tell for people who are shouting at us from the car, the smart speaker, we know that Bill Belichick had a great second act. He was fired in Cleveland, yep. went on to New England, has the six Super Bowls. Bill Belichick, I mean, this is he had an incredible second act, too. Why I picked Carroll is because he did it in college and in the pros. Um, anyway. Jim Harbaugh definitely, I don't know what act he's on. but it, <laughs> This is something. It feels like he's going to have nine acts in his career, and they're all going to be good. So we want to hear from you at 855-212-4CBS. We've had a lot of good input from fans so far. Uh, we had a little Sparky Anderson. We had uh, Joe Torrey. That comes from our own Andrew Kaplan. We had uh, Billy in the chat said Saban. Uh, Andy Reid. Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa was when we got calls yeah. on. Yeah. My guy Dick Vermeil. Yep. I mean, that's a real second act. That's yeah, 15 yeah. years in between coaching. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, that and also there was a movie he was in the Kurt Warner movie played by Dennis Quaid that's pretty cool you insist this is a good movie I've never yeah. seen it I great was, cast I was thinking about actors and other people just in life who have had great second acts uh, when I tell you actor second act who's the first person who comes to mind so I'll tell you mine Robert Downey Jr. that would be my pick oh interesting I'm not a Marvel person so that didn't come to mind well still part. the guy was the best actor and had a huge life meltdown and came back mine is John Travolta Good one, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's right there. Because when he came back with Pulp yeah. Fiction, it just totally changed him. Anyway. <sighs> yeah, that's, that's a better... Um, yeah, by the way, Dick Vermeil, sorry, played in two movies. One by Dennis Quaid, one by Greg Kinnear in the Mark Wahlberg movie. That's pretty cool. I mean, how many coaches have Greg Kinnear and Dennis Quaid playing them? <laughs> sure. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Eight five five. Invincible. I'm getting the sense there are no Invincible fans here. Mark Wahlberg is that the was Eagle. a great movie. There you go. I it's enjoyed that movie very much. Yeah. Our friend Don Banks was in that movie. 855-212-4CBS. All right, John is in western New York. John, let's keep it clean today, sir. <laughs> uh, uh, hi, guys. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you what. It was Pearl off yesterday. After 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 my to-do, uh, he got into the Jets-Eagles thing, and I just I was waiting for to hear the microphone start flying across the room. So, <laughs> that's you know, I, I, that's I, for another I day. Yes, that was our yeah. our, our fight yesterday, a show fight. almost. <laughs> Actually, it's going to, from that show fight, which was, our, can you consider the, the Eagles and the Jets both losers because they are not playing right now? Perloff took exception with being grouped in with the Jets. But what that <laughs> did spawn is an Amazon order that is en route because we are now going to have the loser spotlight, <laughs> the loser hat 
which we're going to force each other yeah. to wear when your team does something that... Well, the real impetus like. of this is, yeah. I told my wife this yesterday, I think everybody gets mad that I don't get sadder when the Eagles lose. That's that why we need a hat. What it is. But they, that was a weekend at Bernie's Eagles team. You were kicking a dead body in that wild card <laughs> game. Everyone in Philly knew that team had lost a long time ago. John, what do you got you, on Tomlin? I knew I knew I wasn't good. I shouldn't have brought that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with, 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 with Tomlin, I, I just, what I think is the big uh, to and fro about it is that first off, Tomlin, when he walked off the stage or off the podium there, uh, I think you got to remember that this was a really stressful season. I yeah. mean, they, they started out hot, and they, they w- looked even worse, and then they come back. In the last three games, they played really strong. Uh, and, and I think that he expected them to do the same thing in Buffalo. Unfortunately, it was a case of too muches, too many turnovers, uh, too many road games in a row, and then, of course, too much of Josh Allen. Yeah, too many missed uh, tackles. Yeah, well, you can throw that one in there too, but I, but I think what what has happened is Tomlin always knows what he wants to do. He just always doesn't show his hand. Yeah, and I don't, and I got to agree. I got to agree with Perloff. This is the best roster at the end of this season. They are so much stronger than they were at the end of last season, and that is due to the GM uh, Omar Khan. So I mean, I I, I think right now, like uh, if if he's ever on the cusp of anything. Uh, that's going to be positive. It says now with the Steeler fans, if if you get on any of the local Steeler uh, news reads or anything like that, the biggest gripe, of course, is the playoffs. Yeah, and yeah. they've gotten bounced quick, quick and hard, and and, and in most cases. Uh, the Bills game was a microcosm of the last four or five years, where all of a sudden they're down fast and quick, and yeah, they play hard and they you know they 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 play well enough to kind of get back in, but. It's always they've dug themselves too much of a hole. So I don't think for right now he's going to go anywhere. But what I've got to lastly to say is that I think if Khan keeps drafting like he did in his first year and pulling in free agents like he did this first year, that if the talent level rises so much higher and then Tomlin can't do the job, I think then you're going to get an answer to this should he stay or should he go question. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Also, you can't forget T.J. Watt was not on the field. Uh, and they're one in ten without him, so I think they were closer. I mean, he's right. You look at this year's draft. The Steelers, they got this year. They got Broderick Jones, a left tackle. I mean, who would not want him? Joey Porter Jr. in the second round, who's a, already a star. Keanu Benton, the nose tackle, who hit big time, and Nick Erbig in the fourth round. Something's going on there. That GM seems really smart. Well, or also is it Tomlin coaching these guys up? I mean, the Could Broderick they? Jones thing, don't forget, that was not a slam dunk from the very beginning. He was he was not a starter. Yeah. Like, they had to bring him along a little bit. But Joey Porter Jr., you see him, and everyone talked about his long arms. How the NFL missed on him, I do not understand. He's Joey Porter's kid. I don't know. I just kind of assumed everyone just was like, well, he should go to the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> they just like that. The, universe, just lay off. the universe said pass on him. Yeah. It's amazing. Is there a team in the league that doesn't need cornerback help, and he fell to the first pick in the second round? No. I mean, Chris is in Wisconsin. We've been talking about our great debate question today is uh, greatest coaching second acts um, with all the talented coaches who are on the market right now. Mike Vrabel might have an interesting second act. Uh, Chris, who do you have? Uh, Excuse me. I have kind of going off of the coaching, but looking at like a head of uh, baseball operations and like Theo Epstein breaking a couple curses. Yeah. I mean, great call, Chris. Yeah. Not a coach, but so fits this. I mean, 
Theo Epstein, we talked about Joe Madden with a great second act and breaking the Cubs curse and being the manager there. I mean, to be the architect of two curse-breaking teams, it puts you in rarefied air. What's the third act for Theo Epstein? He wants to be commissioner of, the, of baseball? Yeah, is that where he's I was wondering, I remember we talked about him recently. He's not going to another team. Ownership, too. That was another thing that was up in the Owning air. I want to see him go to the NFL like his buddy John D. Podesta, who's with the Browns. That seems to be the new trend in super genius executives. Try Switch a different sports. or try NBA. That's what Theo's got to do next. Can you bring Moneyball to another sport? Uh, Leland is in Sacramento. Wants to look ahead to one of the divisional round <laughs> games this weekend. Hey, Leland, how you been? Hey, hey, good morning, Maggie and Perloff. How are you guys? We're doing awesome. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Weather's pretty nice out here in uh, Sacramento. I think we're at fifties. How are you guys looking? <laughs> uh, what are you rubbing it in our faces, Leland? <laughs> it's 10 degrees here in New York. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, <clears throat> hey, but I want to uh, kind of look ahead to uh, Saturday and see what you guys think the keys to a 49er win would be or the keys what uh, the Packers have to do to win because this last game with Jordan Love, this guy was amazing, yep. and he scares us. <laughs> just Wait a minute, Leland. Come on. Number one seed in the NFC. Nothing should scare you guys. Ooh, that Cowboys game. 49ers. <laughs> Passes okay. Jordan Love is right. I get where Leland's coming from. Okay, listen. Let's <laughs> call this what it is. We're going to get more into this as the week goes on, especially tomorrow and Friday. But, I mean, the Cowboys played a big role in how good the Packers looked. No. Oh, I think You so. don't think Jordan Love is on those? Uh, six week heater. Jordan Love looks phenomenal, but these were these are still young receivers. Like mm. this Dallas defense, I'm not trying to take credit away from Green Bay, but the Dallas defense aided and abetted this blowout loss. Totally disagree. They got punched in the mouth. I totally. I think Jordan Love's been doing this for two months, or not actually a month and a half. No, I mean he, it. What are you talking about? They, the Cowboys would pressure him. He would be off his back foot no, and off. find a guy wide open 30 yards down the field. What's the defense okay. supposed to do about that? He was great, and he deserves all the credit, and the Packers are scary, and I'm sure we're all going to pick Jordan Love to win MVP next year going into the season. The true offensive tone setter in that game against the Cowboys was Aaron Jones. His running in those first few drives, he was unstoppable. I mean, the, the Cowboys' defense didn't want to tackle him. And then on the flip side, on the Cowboys' offense couldn't get anything going because Dak couldn't find CeeDee Lamb, and then Dak, you know, had made some mistakes. Mm, okay. I, I understand what you're saying. That obviously, the spread is huge in this game, but... Oh, is it? What I didn't it's see the nine and a half. Uh, the Packers it's are nine and a half point underdogs. I believe San Francisco, we forgot how good they are. They're amazing. Same with Baltimore. We have not talked about how dominant those yep. two teams are. But there's Jordan Love against Dallas, I think, had to scare you. Uh, Aaron Jones, I think <laughs> I could stop him. Yeah. That scared Yeah. <laughs> Pete, you caught me with that one. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get more into that game again. 855-212-4CBS. Packers and San Francisco for right, Saturday also- night. C.J. Shroud is definitely scaring Baltimore right now. I mean, those two performances jumped out. You are right about that. 855-212-4227. Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Coming up, how about players, coaches, media members? Everyone's getting into fights these days. We've got the top three beefs that we have from yesterday. Coming up next, Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. Here you go. All right. I was fired up yesterday after the show. Huge show fight. Me against the world, 
putting the Eagles <laughs> and the Jets in the same category as losers. I'm still mad about it. There was a lot of show beef yesterday, but apparently we were not alone, Maggie. Something was in the atmosphere yesterday because a lot of people having beef. Let's go through the three, the top three sports beefs from yesterday. <laughs> okay. Let's start here with Pete Carroll. Well, I've said as the greatest second act in coaching. I was talking on the Pete Carroll show about Seahawks management. They book him? <laughs> about the Seahawks ownership and how they're giving him the short end of the stick. When you don't have, you know, legitimate died in the wool football people calling the shots, then you have to try to make sense of it. Ooh, take that. A state of Paul Allen. It's so funny because Belichick left so gracefully in Foxborough and Pete Carroll is going kicking and screaming. (laughs) He did not want to leave. So Pete Carroll first, the Seahawks front office, maybe management. Meanwhile, here was the Seahawks general manager was talking about how much he loves Pete Carroll and how much he can't wait to keep working with Pete Carroll in an advisory role. I look forward to being able to call up Pete and text him. He's ready. He's texting me like crazy all the time, like, hey, Johnny, what's what you know is going on with this and that? And so it's, uh, yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great experience. <laughs> Sounds it. Yeah, I think that's going to be um, Pete Carroll getting a new number if I were, <laughs> if I were to be a betting woman. Uh, okay, that was number three on our list of beefs. Number two, how about Kyle Shanahan throwing a little shade to the Dallas Cowboys? says they started to get to work early on scouting the Packers. We were already in here, so, you know, we were doing it that day. We had mixed in a little bit earlier in the week and uh, hit up a couple teams, but um, started really focusing on them halfway through the second quarter. (laughs) Then they scored at the end of the second quarter, so I kind of did both at halftime, and then third quarter I was set on one team. (laughs) Oh, halfway through the second quarter. Bad enough, you beat the... Dallas Cowboys like a drum. Now this. Well, the Cowboys started focusing on them in the third quarter. (laughs) 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 And then number one, the beef we did not see coming. Yeah. I opened X slash Twitter and saw Jay Gruden has a Twitter handle, apparently. He said during the Eagles game, if I ever put a QB through what Philly's putting Jalen through, I apologize. Pick up a blitz explanation point. I'm like, okay, yeah, I totally agree. Then I forgot who Jay Gruden's quarterback was. RG3 <laughs> tweeted, say what? In all caps. <laughs> explanation, explanation. And RG3, who's really good on Twitter, has his glasses down, be like, what? Then Jay Gruden, I would think Jay Gruden would hide after that, right? He says, if I ever put a... Uh, then Jay Gruden comes back and said, what? You weren't prepared, RG3? Then RG3 says, you told me you didn't know how to coach a QB who could throw and run like me, so it looks like you weren't prepared, Jay. Uh, it goes on and on. And then Jay goes, you're right, there wasn't enough talent on my coaching staff. And we looked at it yesterday. He did have Sean McVay as his offensive <laughs> coordinator. So this is a war we did not see coming. See, I always thought it was actually Mike Shanahan who ruined RG3's career by rolling him out with a hurt knee in the playoffs. But anyway, this this is a good beef. I like it. I didn't see it coming, but I enjoyed it. It was great. All of a sudden, Brian Mitchell's getting involved. Kurt Warner was from the top rope. It was uh, it was all encompassing. Also, RG3 is not going to sit one out. Like, no, he, no, if no. you know anything about RG3 now, I love him on games. You have no idea what's going to come out of that guy's mouth. By the way, good on TV. Totally right. Was that on Jalen Hurts? 
Can somebody block somebody here? Jalen Hurts took four steps back, had nine guys on him, and chucked the ball in the air. I think I think the Buccaneers found out very early you were not going to attempt to run the ball. <laughs> also, our yeah, our coaching offensive coaching staff is not good. Now I know what you're saying. Nick Sirianni's an offensive coach, so fire him. And I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we had that conversation. All right. Those are Sorry, beefs. you got you got me in there. Yeah, there's beefs. Three, two, one. Andrew Bogish is here with headlines. What up? Uh, speaking of those Eagles, uh, we believe that Nick Sirianni is having his usual year-end meeting today with owner Jeffrey Lurie and GM Howie Roseman. Uh, as Perlov has already mentioned, Doug Peterson got himself fired in this meeting a few years ago, so Sirianni better be ready to go. The Birds have plenty of issues to fix, including their on-field body language. Here's old lineman Lane Johnson. What would I tell my guys? The O-line, um, you know, no matter what the scoreboard is, Play, um, you know, no, no slapping, no clapping your hands, no sulking after bad plays. You go up, you go up to the line of scrimmage like nothing happened, like a robot. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think something that's uh, needs to be addressed. Johnson adding that you can't give the opponents any sign you're struggling. He also called his team's one and six finish embarrassing and said nobody did bleep to fix their problems in time for their game on Monday night. Against the Buccaneers, so but, but not losers, according to Perloff. Who do he throw? In, who's he throwing under the bus specifically here? I, Sounds like everybody the except the offensive. So coaches, defense for sure. How about Goddard Hertz. and Hurts? How about Hurts? Yeah, yeah, Hurts. I mean, I, here's the thing: isn't Lane Johnson a captain? Yeah, but you, you can't say this no, to any no. other position group. You you've been there long. You've won a Super Bowl. You have no agency to go to someone else in a different position group and say, "Hey, knock it off." How dare you say anything negative about the right ta- the greatest right tackle to ever play the game? Lane Johnson is beyond reproach. I'm, I'm not, sorry, not an All Pro this year. I also think sometimes too, um, players deserve more credit from us. I I would wager that he has already said this to somebody on the team and he's doing it now because the year's over and it wasn't fixed. Oh. And now it's time to put it out there so it has to be addressed by somebody before next year. I okay. also think we need it's to pick... kind of messy, but yeah. I yeah. get it. We pick up this philosophy. I think if we have a bad show or a bad segment, we're like robots. We're not going to let it get to it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I do think there's something smarter than that. Like, if Lane Johnson wants to write a book that no one's going to read, that'll be... Yeah. <laughs> Abby, act like a robot. That is a skill. The great player. I get impressed when a quarterback throws an interception and comes back and throws a touchdown on the next drive. I'm the opposite. I throw one interception. My con- I miss a three-pointer and pick up. I'm done for the day. I I have no confidence. But w- I think no it's a show. burn than what Perloff just said about Lane Johnson. What did he say? He said, you want to write a book that no one's going to read? <laughs> well, every athlete, every athlete or coach wants to write a self-help book. And nobody you wrote turns one. out. Yeah, it turns out nobody wants self-help books from right tackles. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lay Johnson will write a book because he's overcome depression. He's got no, a great story. He's got story. a great story, but, um, but whatever. He's the best. He didn't make All Pro this year. How is that possible? Yeah, he he got beat out by All Pro. Maybe he made second team, but not first team. So the Bucks. Uh, I think it was Penny Sewell. They beat the Ooh, Eagles. Petty Sewell's real good on Monday night. Uh, now Todd Bowles' team gets ready for Sunday afternoon. In Detroit. Today it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we've seen it drop to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? No. You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. <laughs> I don't. Um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors and 
we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing so we'll be okay oh, oh but i, I you could I, never work again <laughs> i, I want to hide under the desk yeah. i'm oh so embarrassed God. for her i don't know who it was maybe it's someone who doesn't cover sports normally you know sometimes uh, news organizations will be like someone get to that press conference uh, you think they played a joke on her like like they sent her and then they, oh and then my they said ask the question that would be oh. terrible i could see that oh would gosh. you do that to somebody no. you heathen no to Wait. you maybe but no also todd bowles can we have a little fun with this no the the oh we'll be on only outside for 20 seconds was just like the extra little knife at the end. <laughs> I, I, think like, he, I think he was doing, I think he did a great job with it. He did a favor. It. He did a favor. Yeah. He, he took, he didn't embarrass the person and that was it. Well, he did, he said, you do know they have a dome, right? Well, that, I mean, that yeah, kind of that. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> How about like, yeah, we're going to be in the cold tub. I told everybody, uh, in the cold tub. Yeah, wasn't it, who was it was saying that like, it, was it Jimmy Butler or somebody what about Miami humidity or like you lose oh. games when you go to my like, I thought maybe he could have spun it like that. Like, well, yeah, you know, we're used to being in this Florida yeah. humidity and then going to Michigan. Who said that? Was it Kyle Lowry? Who said it's playing? Oh, in, yeah. The indoor, that, no, I, it was one of the Knicks. Yeah, that makes sense. Was it a Nick or Jesus? That, that kind of <laughs> makes, that kind of makes sense. Nick. You, you, I understand that, at least. Uh, it's like Carson Wentz was from North Dakota, but they play in a dome. But he was still, if you live all year long in freezing temperatures, you, you acclimate. I'm trying to help her. Yeah, here. no, I think the Miami point was like you yeah. get tired during the day Definitely. and you show up at the arena more wore down than usual. It takes it out of you. Yeah, but like this walking is, around. This lady just didn't know where the Lions played. Yeah. That's all. Oh. I, but you know what I think you know what too happened? I think because the whole big story this weekend about NFL was weather. weather. Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, again, if you're not someone who covers the NFL, covers sports, everybody knew that. So she's probably thinking in her head, all right, what are things that I can think about with the NFL? Oh, weather. Oh, good. They play in Detroit. That's going to be cold. But and also, didn't it's like do the... human interest story. Right. Like maybe you're trying to make, mm. you know, as Perloff, you know, everyone loves a weather story. Just yeah. like in Detroit, they don't matter. But it's just amazing to me that if we're assuming that she's a non-sports reporter, like news anchors, they know so much about so many things, mm. and then they know nothing about sports. <laughs> like, yes. You know, like for us, and, on the flip side, like we know a couple, we know the names of current events, like things going on around the country, but like you turn on a news anchor and they have to do a sports story, they've got no chance. The wrong graphic is over their shoulder. Yeah. It's the LA Kings, not the LA Rams. Like, oh, yeah. It's like they just don't know sports. It's, it's almost crazy. Like for us, like when um, there's a Jeopardy category yeah. that's sports, and like if the answer is like Tom Brady, and right. you're just like yelling at the screen yeah. and nobody knows, you're right. Sports is a blind spot for a lot of people. But when I worked in in local news here in New York, I I worked with some amazing anchors. All the people at yeah. Section New York, New York one are awesome. But you would they could pronounce all crazy, you know, Russian mobster names or you know, <laughs> yeah. you know Latin American drug cartel people. The things said, you really need to right. do. Right. But then a basic sports name just could not get yeah. it. I know. Politicians too are like and, that. And I'm just like the name like I've seen you announce the craziest names I've ever heard of the, the Kazakhstanian president, and they could do it in their sleep. And then give them a Russian hockey player, and they don't want to do the story. They're like, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. And I'm like, you guys are the smartest people I know. <laughs> I've told you guys the, the line that I've said this story many times, but my first year ever in sports, first job I ever had, somehow get a press pass the Knicks-Heat playoff series that you mentioned earlier, and Patrick Ewing's suspended for game six. Everyone on earth knows this. 
And in the press conference, I was going to raise my hand and say, to Coach Van Gundy, why did you decide not to play Ewing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you need your... <laughs> but, like, somebody's got to... What was behind the decision? Yeah, like, I, how come you tried to limit Ewing to... It's game five. Like, <laughs> don't you think him? you should have played Ewing tonight? <laughs> He's a key on your team, right? Like, somebody's got to do that. Like, a high-stakes <laughs> press conference. Just ask that kind of question. Imagine if it was post-Super Bowl. I was thinking maybe this year, like, when the Jets were in their losing streak, being like, hey, Robert Sala, uh, where's Aaron Rodgers? Why do you play Zach Wilson when you have Aaron Rodgers on your roster? <laughs> and it says here at the end, he's still on the roster. Because he you, has activated, to be. you activated him. Yeah, you activated All that being said, it's still, how are you going to acclimate to the weather in Detroit is an all-time bad question. We've had the two all-time worst calls I remember on today's show. Oh, the hockey call? <laughs> the hockey call. The guy, the hockey announcer is afraid of the puck. I apologize for that one right there. <laughs> for saying, oh, my God, I shouldn't be saying that. I'm sorry. <laughs> this guy didn't know what to apologize for first. <laughs> It's an all-time. Bilati, you love drops. How many times do you think we will hear this in our lifetime oh, now? Oh, plenty. You'll, you'll, you'll hear it enough. <laughs> oh, my God. As I apologize for that one right there. And Thanks, you'll, Peter Griffin. Yeah, you'll hear it until you make the noise when you hear it for the 14 millionth time. When you're afraid of the drop, that's your <laughs> problem. <laughs> you make the noise because you're afraid of it. Oh I just I apologize for that. I'm sorry. Everyone's A uh, few people look at me. I'm fine. Just, I'm fine. I'm just, fine. <laughs> A few people are looking at me. All right, I got one more press conference interaction. Here's Kings head coach Mike Brown asked about his $50,000 fine for storming the court to argue calls the other night, plus using a laptop postgame to explain why the officials suck. The fine is what it is. Uh, my partner, Rochelle, she's upset with me because uh, we're going to splurge a little bit for all-star break, go skiing. Uh, I was going to take my grandson skiing, and but I called her and told her we probably won't be able to do it today unless the Ritz-Carlton, which is a terrific place, gives me a discount. So he's going skiing in Lake Tahoe. He just wants a break on the hotel. I was going to say, he wow. Uses, first of all, he got fined. By, I mean, now he's trying to get a free room at the Ritz-Carlton. He's shameless. <laughs> a cheapo. I can't believe that. Using the power of the microphone and the NBA to try to get yourself a free room at the Ritz when you make $5 million a year. Uh, full respect. I mean... We all have swag. I, that's He's actually, the Peter Schwartz of NBA coaches. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to get himself a free room, too, because he asked for it. Actually, I have more respect. I'm like, if he's clever enough to get a free ski room, maybe he's going to win some games in Sacramento. Get some free, free skis. <laughs> By the way, I not only need the room, I need the skis, the gloves, the hat. I need a jacket. Everything. Please start the all inclusive package. <laughs> also, hot, he, hot chocolate in the room as well. He got fined fifty thousand dollars. That's a hell of a ski vacation. Can you blow fifty grand in a weekend? Ah, uh, it's a Ritz Carlton. Fifty grand? Is there a oh, casino yeah. there? What the most Yes, there the is room, actually the most the room could be is what? Uh five thousand a night. Oh rent, heck yeah. Rent the whole hotel? I mean, do you need the presidential <laughs> suite? I think you can probably right. get away with fifteen hundred bucks a night. That's still insane. You get in the mountain for 50, for fifty grand a week. I'll take one floor instead, not three. Yeah, I'll take one. I mean, it's a very serious issue. Him uh, criticizing the officials. Says, well, Rochelle wasn't happy. I immediately knew. <laughs> I immediately knew that. Uh, I was in deep doo doo. Yeah, yeah. Like Mike Brown's going in a different direction with this one. The owner of the team doesn't matter. Rochelle, by the way, was so Adam Silver's on one line. Rochelle's on the other. <laughs> Honey, come on. You know we have this. Trip planned for weeks. I spend hours 
<laughs> Adam Silver, please hold. We just pass you through. <laughs> um, I'm done, Maggie. Okay. Yeah, I'm well uh, We've be. got Deion Sanders weighing in on the Cowboys head coaching situation. We've got that for you next, Maggie. And per- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Off CBS Sports Radio. Daily. Do you believe in that? Dion. You believe in that? We like to check in on Dion Sanders around here. Dion was on the Brett Boone podcast. They were, of course, as one does. Is <laughs> they were teammates <laughs> in Cincinnati, uh, and Dion was talking about the Dallas Cowboys head coaching situation. I feel bad because I feel like Jerry Jones is the best owner to ever own a franchise. What he does for the players, what he puts into the, the fan base and how he injects life into every situation and, and gives that team and that city hope. Don't every year you feel like the Cowboys are supposed to win it because that's what Jerry Every, every year. Yeah, that's every what, year. That's how good Jerry is. So just having them uh, falter once again, that's tough. Listen, I get why Dion has an affinity for Jerry Jones. I oh, yeah. would understand it. He, Jerry paid him. They had a lot of success together. I think that's a, that's a no-brainer. Here's more from Dion. I like to sit back with my popcorn and, and see how it plays out. Like, okay, now who's who's going to get fired? Who's going to move? Uh, what personnel on the field? Because I can't blame that on the coaches. Players did that. They always want to blame coaches, man. And, and See, I'm thinking from a player's perspective. Right. That's players. See, now when you're a coach, you start thinking, shoot, no, I'll take that responsibility. As a coach, we take that responsibility. Responsibility, but as a player, no, man. Can't blame you, coach. Interesting. Yeah, there's some reasoning there. We are putting everything on Mike McCarthy, and we're also putting everything on Dak Prescott, but there's a lot of blame to go around in that game. I think of, uh, I think the defense was the yeah. biggest surprise in that game. I can't believe that Dallas's vaunted defense didn't do anything there. Yeah, I thought the Dallas defense is to blame. I think you blame by extension the coaches for not having your team ready to play because it looked like Dallas was suddenly surprised that like Green Bay had an interest in winning that game or something. I think Dallas was nervous. Yeah, I think I mean, the pressure trying- got to them. CeeDee Lamb didn't look like himself at all. And he and Dak were obviously not on the same page. Maybe it was something where, because they've been such a good team at home, you wouldn't think the expectations would be too big. But I think they more likely overlooked Green Bay and didn't Mm. understand, hey, Green Bay's playing great. And even you said it was a little misleading because they got into the sort of shootout with the Panthers a couple weeks prior. It's like, wait a minute, maybe they're not that good. 
but the Packers have been showing you uh, I mean, through December that they are a good team. Baker Mayfield eviscerated the Packers. Their defense, they're going to fire the defensive coordinator, Barry. I mean, everything was going wrong defensively. Yes, they beat the Bears, but I, I'm i still shocked by that result. I Talk about a result I did not see coming. Houston being Cleveland, all the upsets, the Bucks being the Eagles. This one, I still don't totally understand what happened to to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, they 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 no showed. I mean, is what happened, yeah. and it was a perfect storm. And credit to Green Bay, they were there to recognize it and took it, and didn't let the moment get too big yeah. for them. You know, a young team that just played like they had nothing to lose, but played also in control. You know, the offense, like the run game, discipline. You know, Jordan Love with these incredible passes, wide receivers just open. And then on the defensive side, they were excellent. And I think that's uh, that's I think that's why you have to blame coaches here because the game plan for Dallas was all wrong. You know, I didn't think Deion Sanders was going to be a great coach for the very reason that no player was like Deion. Like Deion is talking down to Deion is the most spectacular football player I've ever seen. I mean, he was so good. How does he relate to anybody? <laughs> like, of course, he puts on the players because no one was beating Dion on the field. <laughs> That's true. So, I, it's interesting the way he said that. Like, yeah, Dion would not have let that happen. There have been a couple people. I think RG three is one of them. A few others who have said Dion should be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. But you know, he how many times does he have to say it? He he wants to coach college. It's he doesn't want to coach multi millionaires. Well, now the college players, some of them are millionaires, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants to have control. I think he's open and honest about it. Yeah, I don't. No, I never trust coaches. <laughs> There's never's a long time. And yeah. Dion's not an old man, so we'll see. I, I mean, Atlanta and Dallas possibly being open is very interesting. If he doesn't do it now, but then he, he's got Shador coming back to Colorado. Once his son leaves, maybe it's a different ballgame. What if it's Belichick to take over the Cowboys in the short term? Yep. And Belichick's already 71, turning 72, so he can't coach forever. And then Dion takes it after that. We've already got a succession plan. All right. So you're going Belichick, Dion. Reality is probably going to be either McCarthy McCarthy. comes back or (laughs) Dan Quinn dance a job. (laughs) You're like, well, we're going to go from Belichick to um, Dion. Then Tom Brady takes over. And then Aaron Rodgers cut to, uh, yeah, Ben Johnson. Meanwhile, I think they're going to announce a Mike McCarthy lifetime contract. That's probably what we're getting. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thank you, DJ Stewart. Thank you to Pete Pilati. Thank you to Andrew Bogish and to Andrew Kaplan and the Weedos, the coffee drinkers, the callers. You guys were awesome today. We will talk to you tomorrow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.